0: This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: I didn't know you were holding hands back then.
0: Yeah, well.
1: Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer, I'm Brian Morris.
0: I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows.
1: And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows.
0: So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
1: And this week we watched Season 3, Episode 19 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Choices.
0: As well as Gilmore Girls' Keg, Max. Do you know which one is your favorite? Yeah. Don't say which one. Okay. But you know. I do. Okay. I know too. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: So we had our first Buffy TikTok kind of go viral, which was nice.
0: Yeah, usually the Buffy ones get nothing. No love.
1: I have to be careful now. I don't know that I can go on TikTok anymore because some Gilmore Girl TikTok stuff started coming out. I quickly closed out of it.
0: We're in a hurricane right now? Like it's happening outside. Henri? Henri? Is it the name? Yeah. I think it got downgraded to a tropical storm.
1: It's just very rainy. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it's very rainy outside.
0: We kind of did a bunch of panic errands yesterday in preparation, which were maybe unnecessary. We told you about our apartment troubles. I'm not sure if we talked about the fact that our building doesn't have gas in half of it. Not our half. We have gas for like our stove. But the other half just had a note that was like, sorry, you won't have gas until further notice. Which also affects our laundromat because the laundromat's like part of the building. So we had to go to this crazy new laundromat where everything was complicated.
1: You had to like buy a card and then put money on the card instead of putting money in the machines.
0: Maybe this is totally normal, but we're quarter people generally.
1: We're quarter people. It was also far away. I didn't like it.
0: Does our super wait for us to start talking about Buffy and go Marvel? I swear to
1: fucking God, man. Like, what? It's 4.30? He never does it now.
0: It, we're in the middle of a hurricane. You don't need to do it's it today. It's
1: pouring rain right now. I swear he just likes to punch the glass, too. Like, I don't know what he's doing.
0: Well, he's part of it. We're just going to talk through it.
1: So this week, we started with Buffy. Stacey, tell us about choices.
0: So this episode is about Buffy coming to terms with the fact that she'll probably never be able to leave Sunnydale, even though she's getting into some out-of-state colleges. It's also about her finally thinking about the fact that being with Angel doesn't really make sense, which the mayor also points out. The mayor also gets a mysterious, creepy package. Willow gets captured, and Willow also makes some choices about her future. And yeah, the mayor's ascension is a it's coming. It's coming. And despite Buffy trying to expedite that so she can leave town, they don't do a whole lot to stop him this episode.
1: No, it's, pr- it's pretty much a big win for mayor.
0: Okay. So the mayor gives Faith a knife to thank her ahead of time for the errand she's about to run for him at the airport. She doesn't seem super like she wants to do that. And then he calls her spoiled and says maybe she doesn't deserve the gift. She's like, no, no. And then he's like, okay, have a cookie. He treats her like a child. It's weird. But this gift that he gave her is a giant, sharp, expensive knife that she sniffs for some reason, and they both clearly have mischievous intentions for this knife. She's going to the airport to pick up a package from Central America that is apparently crucial to his ascension.
1: I don't understand. It seems like this plan for the ascension has been in the works for quite a long time, right? Sure. Like, for like a hundred years or so. Yeah. I feel like this package should have been, like, delivered far before the Ascension.
0: He's a procrastinator.
1: He says to her, like, it's very important that you get this. And it's like, well, then you should have been, like, on top of this well before right now.
0: Maybe it takes a while to get stuff shipped from Central America.
1: Like a hundred years.
0: Yeah. Buffy and Angel are on a little slaying date, and Buffy's all disappointed with how their relationship's going. She says he never takes her anywhere new anymore. But he just did, boo. He took you to that movie you complained about. What do you want from him? He can't go out in the daytime. And then she starts to ask, like, is this just what our life's going to be? Just, like, slay, don't fuck, repeat till she's old and gray and he's still young and hot? You pointed out that Buffy should just, like, have Angel make her a vampire and then Willow curse her.
1: Yeah, part of me is like, that's the solution. I wonder if Angel could, like, not have a moment of true happiness knowing that she's going to be a vampire, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> like, cool, you guys are stuck like that. She'll be, like, a slay pyre. She'll be, like, super strong.
0: A self-slayer. Yeah.
1: But a, a vampire slayer is, like, super strong. We saw that in Nightmares, the, the episode nightmare, not some nightmares you and I had. Did we know
0: vampire slayers are strong?
1: Yeah, because in Nightmares, she becomes a vampire because that's, like, Giles' biggest fear.
0: Oh, you mean, like, a vampire slayer.
1: Yeah. Okay, gotcha.
0: I don't think Angel would, like, want that for her, though. Right. But, like, yeah, that's why we told you not to date him, Buffy. Have... That's
1: why everyone told her not to date him.
0: <laughs> Haven't you been listening to our podcast? I don't think she has. But also, why are there so many vampires? And, like, why are they patrolling graveyards? Like, I assume these are mostly new vampires that they're killing every night. Right. Yeah, they should stop those. But they should also be stopping the source. Like, stopping the guys, like, the guy that Willow ran into in Doppelganger Land. The head vampires who are, like, working for the mayor and actively trying to create new vampires.
1: Right. Because the show's made it clear vampires aren't just made by being fed on. Like, you have to intentionally make a vampire.
0: And, like, drug operations, they try to figure out the source. Right. Go to the source, guys.
1: I feel like this episode for me was, like, the tipping point where it came to, like, there just are too many vampires.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, the alternate universe we saw in The Wish is kind of what this is.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like, that's a terrible life. That's what you live in. There's, like, you you can't kill three vamps a day and you don't have a vampire problem.
0: Is the town just, like, fully aware of vampires now?
1: How could they not be? I know. But also, that begs the question, like, we know that Sunnydale is not the only Hellmouth. We do? Um, Yeah, there's a Hellmouth in Cleveland.
0: Well, I knew Cleveland was bad. I don't know if I knew it was a Hellmouth.
1: They know they mentioned later in the show, but I feel like they've mentioned it at least that Sunnydale's at one of at least a few hellmouths. Does that that must mean there's other vampire activity like this in other places, right? Is Sunnydale like the biggest vampire problem? Seems that way because if there's this many vampires or even half this many vampires in any other city, that city's like done, man.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Joyce is all excited to find out that Buffy got into Northwestern in Illinois, but Buffy doesn't have the heart to tell her that she doesn't think she can actually go away to college, but it's clear that she does actually kind of want to go away to college. Snyder's back. I have a theory that it takes him weeks to get in and out of full Ferengi makeup. He's on the hunt for students hiding drugs this whole episode. He's like checking out some dude's lunch, which he's convinced is drugs. Apparently, Willow got into every college that Rory did, and then some, including Oxford, I wasn't someone who was trying to go to like big name schools, but is it normal for someone like Willow to apply to all of them? I think so. It costs money to submit those applications. She must have gotten into like 15 schools at least. Right. I guess her parents are probably
1: rich. She's also probably going to be looking at a full ride at whatever one of these schools she gets into. That's true. So it might be like, oh yeah, it costs you a bunch of money, but then you're set. Yeah. You pick the one that's going to give you a full ride.
0: Xander meanwhile, is planning a life as a Jess. He's reading on the (laughs) road, planning on just randomly backpacking. Unknown where, but seems like everyone's on board. Cordelia then just forces herself into the scene. Like, the way she pops in is so forced. She's kind of just walking into frame and then is clearly looking for her mark on the ground and just, like,
1: plants herself and starts insulting everyone. It's also just like, I know they hurt you, but, like, you don't have to interact with them.
0: Yeah, just leave them alone. You don't have to be part of the group if you hate them. Yeah. She gives Willow shit for getting into all these colleges. She's like, Oxford, whoopee, four years in teabag central. What? Like England's a very visitable place. Yeah.
1: It's like if someone's like, Are oh, you gonna go to school in New York? You're gonna go to Pizza Central? Like, <laughs> shut up.
0: Yeah, you're just shitting on a major cultural destination because they drink tea. Yeah. And like, she loves fashion, which is not apparent in this episode. She's wearing like her tea tree as outfit yet. But London is not far from Oxford, and London's like a fashion capital. I feel like that's a place she'd absolutely wanna go. Oh, yeah. We do find out that something's up with her in this episode. So these insults are obviously coming from a place of insecurity, but like, have better insults then. She won't say where she got in, but she tells Buffy that she has no future, and then just leaves.
1: She tells Buffy that Buffy has no future. She didn't just, like, admit something about herself. Yes. By the way, Buffy, I have no future. Bye. Like,
0: jeez, Cordelia, I know you've had a hard day of teaching algebra two, but, like, pff, eh. find another way to blow off some steam.
1: The group does point out that, like, Xander goads her on. Yes, and then he's like, well, it's just my nature. But, but they,
0: she's mean to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's just as, she's worse than him, honestly.
0: Yeah. She's the one that's showing up. He's not like, well, he will go find her in a minute and yell yeah. at her. But like, generally, he's not approaching her at school. Cordelia's words have hurt Buffy. Buffy. She goes to Wesley to tell him that she wants to go away to college. Giles is casually eavesdropping, sipping some tea. He's very proud of her for getting into Northwestern. But Wesley's like, no way, I forbid it. Bobby's like, well, what if I solve all these mayor problems before graduation? And I'm like, yeah, shouldn't that be the goal anyway? Like, we know that's the day things are supposed to get bad. How about figure it out before then? Giles agrees that they should work on solving this problem fast. Like, I get Wesley's point, but if they stop the mayor, then won't the town not be as bad? Like, it is still hellmouth, I guess, but it seems sort of implied that, like, he's been allowing and maybe even encouraging a lot of the badness to happen.
1: Yeah, they set up that he's the one that, like, set this town up for evil things to feed.
0: So if they defeat him, will it be bad at all?
1: No, it'll just be a mayor from the opposite political party, which is just as bad. He's just have their own issues.
0: But, like, it's still a hellmouth, right? Can they seal the Hellmouth? Is that a thing?
1: The Hellmouth is sealed. It's just got mystical energies that, like, attract creatures. So
0: even if they get rid of the mayor, creatures will still be attracted?
1: Yeah, they might just not be as, uh, the police might actually do something about it.
0: I see. It's airport time. A man with a lizard tattoo on his face arrives with a little mini Borg cube. The mayor has sent a vampire to take this guy to him. But the lizard tattoo guy is not super excited to see the mayor's assistant instead of the mayor. Faith then shoots this guy in the back with an arrow. The vampire seems shocked. He's like, you killed him. She's like, what are you, the narrator? That was funny.
1: That was a very funny line. But also, vampire, do you care?
0: (laughs) Okay, so the guy was handcuffed to the box and they can't find the keys. So Faith uses her new knife, I guess, to cut this guy's hands off. And even the vampire seems like, whoa, girl, you're like kind of a lot now. But like, I don't get why they killed this guy. Like the mayor did not tell her to do that.
1: Right. It seems like a bold move on her part.
0: Yeah. And the mayor later's like, "Where's the guy? I was gonna pay him." So faith was just being extra.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say, right? Because on the one hand, like the mayor wasn't there, like he was supposed to be.
0: What? what also, like, was there a miscommunication with like this lizard man's representative? I guess if he ordered it a hundred years ago, maybe <laughs> something was lost in translation. The lizard man was gonna charge more for the inconvenience of having to be driven to the mayor. But, like, did Faith even hear that conversation from up on the roof? I guess we're just really emphasizing that Faith is bad now. Right. Just shooting this guy for no reason. They take the box to the mayor. Buffy is spying from like the bushes or something. And Vampire Dude is in charge of the car, which, by the way, is a limo, not subtle at all for like sneaky night missions. And he's also just out in the open in front of City Hall with his vamp face on.
1: Yeah, what's with these vampires that have their vamp face on all the time? It's like, this is done clearly so we know you're a bad guy who can die. Yeah. But like, probably if you're working for the mayor standing outside in front of City Hall, you should just look like a human for a sec.
0: Yeah. But Bubby follows this vampire and gets a little information about the box. This happens off screen, but she learns it's the box of Gavrock and that it's being held in a particular conference room in City Hall. Then she has to kill him using Mr. Pointy, she says. They sometimes remember that they set up that huge offer. They barely pay off. Faith takes the box to the mayor and tells him that she killed the guy with a little joke and he thinks it's just hilarious and starts complimenting her a bunch. She's like, go on. Now, I have a theory that the mayor is manipulating Faith and just telling her what she wants to hear. Because he says stuff like, if Buffy wanted to help us, I'd say, no way, Faith's all the slayer I need, and she deserves that terrible angel, Faith, you can do so much better than that. It's just like weird stuff that seems what she would want him to say. Right. Not like things he believes are true.
1: Yeah, tough to say. I do feel like he's grooming her.
0: And then Faith tries to open the box. He's like, "Uh, maybe don't. Buffy's at the library researching the box. They don't know too much about it, other than it houses great demonic energy and that the mayor is gonna harness it somehow. Willow and Giles come in. Willow's wearing like a ridiculous dress, and Wesley's like, What's that? <laughs> you thought maybe he met Willow's dress.
1: Yeah, I mean that was it was just a weird timing. He, yeah. They I don't know what they fucking have in Well, it's there.
0: just like maps. Giles is like, it's maps and stuff, which is a funny Giles line, but like I don't know, it wasn't obvious that they were carrying something, you know? They didn't have, like, a big stupid object. They had a big stupid dress.
1: Yeah, her dress looked dumb.
0: But they're going to use Giles' maps to break into City Hall to steal the box. The gang just, like, starts making a plan on the fly. Buffy and Angel are going to break in. Willow's going to use some kind of spell to destroy it. Xander's on his way to get the ingredients for the spell. And Wesley's like, wait, wait, what about me? I want to be part of the club. Stop! That's pretty good, Wesley.
1: Yeah, it was spot on.
0: And he once again reminds them that he's in charge, but he's not. They do this shit all the time. Like, Wes, you don't know what's up. They're in charge. But he does point out that taking the box might not be as easy as they think because it'll probably have like protection spells and stuff. And Buffy's like, yeah, Willow can take care of that. No problem. She knows how to move a pencil and that's kind of it so far. So we're good. Okay.
1: Yeah, I hated it. I hate all this stuff with Willow and this. Oh, my God.
0: Like, that's all she's done, really. I guess she cursed Angel, and maybe she did Anya's spell, but, like, she's pretty untested.
1: Yeah, and, like, the idea that it's, like, I'm sure that Willow can, on the fly, figure out all these spells she's never heard of. Like, what?
0: Yeah, you can't just, like, walk in confidently against some unknown spell, assuming she could just do whatever. No, like, actually,
1: they can Zoom yeah, ahead. <laughs>
0: I know. But I'm surprised Giles doesn't stop her. Like, yeah. two episodes ago, he was like, don't even look at my secret magic books. Right. But they don't listen to Wesley. They're going to do it, and he goes along with it. Xander, on his way to shopping, sees Cordelia in a store looking at a fancy dress. So he's like, I'm going to pop in there and insult her a bunch real quick. Totally fair. She did that to him at the donut place in the Zeppo. He's like, I bet you didn't get it in any schools. You're so horrible. You probably failed your interview big time, like Paris.
1: Paris the character, not the city, which I'm sure would be considered a croissant central by some people. <laughs>
0: But she just happens to have all of her acceptance letters on hand at the store she's at.
1: Yeah, what was that?
0: (laughs) I guess that maybe were in her purse. You wouldn't just carry them around.
1: Yeah, that's so weird.
0: Also, if she's working, she wouldn't have her purse on the floor.
1: Yeah. We don't know she's working yet. Yeah.
0: But she's got into, like, good schools. And then Xander's like, oh, well, new line of insults. You probably got in just because you're rich and privileged and your shallow life is stupid and doesn't mean anything. And I'm actually doing something now. I'm saving lives. Gotta go. So Xander returns to the library with the ingredients where Oz is waiting. Willow's left them everything they need to know to make this spell to destroy the box. And they just, like, bond over how great Willow is. Yeah. The rest of them arrive at City Hall. Wesley tells them to synchronize their watches. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs>
1: like, that was very funny. They don't have watches.
0: <laughs> yeah, they just like hold up their empty wrists as he's babbling on. Giles is very chill.
1: He's so chill.
0: He's brought tea. Him and Wesley are just going to be chilling in this van. Also, is this Wesley's van? Is this the council's van? When did they get a van?
1: Is it Oz's
0: van? How come Giles didn't get a van? Because like when Wesley was trying to take Face to the council, they had a big old van. Is that the same van? I don't know. Just saying, maybe Giles should have gotten a van if Wesley gets a van.
1: Maybe it's a zip car.
0: A zip van. Buffy and Angel and Willow climb up the roof. The box is just out in the open in a conference room, directly under a skylight. But Wesley was right. It does have a protective spell on it. But, like, put it in a closet or something, too. Or
1: put a blanket over put it. in a safe, man. Why just
0: leave it out? It's
1: just, like, so exposed.
0: Yeah, A spell and a safe seems, like, great. Yeah. Put it in that weird voodoo closet, Mayor. Also, the skylight, very easy to open. No locks. Just, we lift it open. Willow just opens a spell book to a random page and does a generic get-rid-of-protection-spells spell. What the fuck was...
1: This made no sense.
0: The mayor did, like, a really bad job of protecting it if there's just a spell that can undo it so easily.
1: You have to imagine, right, that there's more than one type of protection spell, right? Like... I feel like that's just got to be the case. Yeah. And I feel like you need to know what spell you're dispelling. Yeah. You can't just be like, this spell dispels everything. Well, then that complicates things a lot.
0: And Willow just kind of awkwardly reads it. Like, Angel or Buffy could have done what she did. Yeah. She didn't, like, have any kind of gusto behind what she did or anything.
1: No, I really thought this was, like, poorly written, quite honestly.
0: But she's like, oh, yeah, I'm bad. Yeah, bad at reading Latin. (laughs) So they send Willow back down the side of the building. Angel lowers Buffy down by a harness into the room? You had a problem with this.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was, okay, I, it's like a Mission Impossible kind of thing, which I thought was dumb and eye Because she could just jump down. Yeah, I would, in retrospect, I'm thinking that, like, yeah, okay, maybe she was worried there was, like, alarms or something. Which there was. Which there was, but, like, I don't know, she could have just hung from a rope. She's, like, super strong.
0: Yeah, I guess this way he could pull her out pretty easily. He could have done that with a rope. And also, he tries to pull her out and like the crank on the harness breaks.
1: Yeah, it's stupid. Honestly, that was really dumb.
0: The alarm is triggered by her grabbing the box and two vampire guards come in. Angel jumps down. Buffy breaks free of the harness. They fight the vampires like with the box. It's kind of fun. Just other random objects from around the room. They kind of just delay them by tipping a heavy table over. Why not just kill them? Like does Buffy not have a stake on her at all times?
1: You'd think so, or someone would throw her one.
0: So they escape. Well, actually, it's very possible Buffy and Angel are still in that building because it's clearly their stunt doubles who exit.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know why. They like kind of do a stunt as they exit. It's just sort of jumping into the bushes off screen. Yeah, there's
1: definitely like, it's like the smallest little jump onto what's clearly going to be some like padded ground on the other side.
0: Yeah, I think as long as there's like a squishy mat there, anyone could have done that. Yeah. They maybe flip just a little bit.
1: If they did, they did not need to. No.
0: Wesley and Giles show up in the van. The vampires chase it because they think that Buffy and Angel are in there, but they're not. They run back to the library. The mayor is pretty bummed to see that his box was taken and that his redecorated conference room got all messed up. But Faith comes in and cheers him up a little with a kidnapped Willow. The gang's trying to figure out what to do. They're pretty sure that the mayor won't kill her because they know she's like a useful bargaining chip. And they realize pretty much their only option is to trade the box for Willow. But Wesley's like, no, I want my box. You guys worked so hard to get it. And he insists they find another way, but everyone else insists they love Willow and they don't want to risk that. He's like, well, the mayor's going to destroy the town and all of us. We have the box. We have the spell stuff. We're going to destroy it. And Oz is like, nope. And just destroys all the spell stuff he and Xander did. They probably could redo all that, though. I don't know how important the spell vessel that he broke was. If it's anything like the orb of Thessala, they can easily get a new one. Right. But Oz's act, I guess, just kind of proves that Wesley is once again outnumbered, and he's not the boss of Buffy. Right. So they arrange a meeting with the mayor. Willow's trapped in a room where they should have hidden the box. She's trying to find a way out. A vampire pops in for a little nibble of Willow, and she uses her pencil-floating trick to kill him.
1: See, this I'm fine with. Yeah, that's cool. This, like, follows spell we already know she knows. I'm cool with it.
0: So she's, like, running around City Hall. She sees the mayor and Faith coming out of his office. He's telling Faith a story about how he had a dog and how loyal it was and that Buffy's like a dog because she's super loyal to Willow.
1: But it seemed almost like she was talking about Faith and himself.
0: Yeah, and we'll touch back on that later. But then I guess he doesn't lock his office because she just walks in and finds his creepy magic closet, also not locked. And in there are the Books of Ascension. Willow starts checking those out, but Faith comes back for some reason. Willow's got all kinds of tough words for her. It's too late for her to be a good person. She's all alone. She's nothing. A big, selfish, worthless waste. And of course, Faith just like punches her in the mouth. I don't know what she was expecting to
1: happen. I like that though, because Faith's like, oh, and I you're going to tell me that like I'm savable still. And Willow's like, oh no. Yeah, you're it's done. It's too late for you.
0: <laughs> but Willow says she's not afraid of her. And then Faith gets out her big-ass knife, which Willow maybe is afraid of. But then the mayor walks in to inform them that Buffy's called to set up a meeting. And Faith tells Willow that she actually does have someone now. She's got the mayor. He's her daddy now. She didn't say that. But it seems that way. Yeah. The gang is in the cafeteria waiting for the mayor. The mayor's group, like, kills the lights when they come in, and Angel points out that he can still see. I thought that would come into play, but it doesn't. Not at all. I don't know why that line was there.
1: To let us know that vampires can see you well in the dark. I guess is that a
0: big thing we're setting up for later?
1: Yeah, it's a big season finale cliffhanger because of that.
0: Angel can see. That's right. Oh my god! Like it wasn't really a joke either. And then the mayor just like ripped Buffy and Angel's relationship apart in front of everyone. How they don't have much of a future, because he too knows what it's like to be immortal, having his old, ugly, senile wife fall out of love with him. Plus, you can't take her out in the day, and you guys can have sex, remember? What's up, Giles? You like hearing all this about Buffy's sex life? I know you do. <laughs> Angel does point out that he's older than the mayor, and the mayor doesn't deny it. We were wondering about that. But then they make the trade. He gets his box, they get their willow, and then Snyder busts in, looking for drugs. I guess the cops must have alerted him? You think the mayor would have, like, told the cops to chill around the school?
1: Yeah, so Snyder comes in with, like, the two most bumbliest police officers ever.
0: Snyder's about to open the box.
1: This is, by the way, sort of a mirroring him looking at that kid's lunch earlier. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, you got drugs in that box? Which, like, yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is our our very hefty metal drug box.
1: Before you were being a bit much Snyder, but yeah, when there's a late night... Like, giant ancient box from South America being passed between two groups of armed people. It yeah, probably is drugs, yeah.
0: I can't tell if you're being sarcastic.
1: No, I Well, it wasn't drugs, but I, I could see that being suspect. It I, seems
0: more likely than someone's lunch. Yeah. Although, when you do drug deals, you'd probably try to be subtle.
1: No, I use a big old box. <laughs>
0: so Snyder's about to open the box, but then the mayor reveals that he's there to alleviate the situation. And then one of the dummy cops opens the box and this giant, terrible CGI spider pops out and attacks his face. And that wasn't the only spider in the box. There's a bunch of CGI spiders where that came from. One of them attacks the mayor's face, same way as the cops. But he's, of course, fine because of his invulnerability curse he did to himself. You can tell Snyder's kind of like, um, why is he fine?
1: But also, like, Snyder, like, you you must know that something's up with the mayor, right? I,
0: know, what? I don't understand what Snyder knows.
1: Yeah, they, they set up in season two that he's, like, covering up stuff and that, like, he can't cover up stuff forever. So he knows something's up. He also knows the mayor's in charge of everything. So, like, he's got to know that the mayor's, like, got some weird, freaky shit happening.
0: Yeah, and, like, he knows Buffy's kind of connected after, like, Band Candy. Unless he just doesn't remember Band Candy. Yeah, I don't know. Buffy manages to close the box. She kind of crushes one of the spiders by falling on it with her back. And then Faith throws her knife at one on the wall, almost hitting Wesley. The mayor gets the box and tells them there are 50 billion spiders in there. That seems not physically possible.
1: Well, it is magic.
0: Yeah. It's funny, though, that there's like a finite amount of spiders in there. Right. It's a huge number, but it's a certain number. The cops just bail. The mayor's like, Faith, let's go. See, she's a dog. Yeah. He just like calls her, like he owns her. hmm She goes, but she kind of glances back at her knife stuck in the spider. I'm guessing she just doesn't want to leave her knife, but you could also read this like, oh, dang, these spiders are bad news. What have I gotten myself into? But it's probably the knife.
1: I mean, I think it's the knife.
0: Snyder is just shell shocked. He's like, "Why couldn't you be dealing drugs like normal people?" And he's been using a chair as a shield, and he like walks out still holding it up in front of him. Yeah, it was funny. Buffy takes the spider off the wall, and I'm guessing she's holding on to Faith's knife. That's all we see of the knife. But they're just also happy to have Willow back. Willow's recounting everything that happened to her. Jazz's like, "Okay, but like, get to the important part, please. What do you remember about the books of Ascension?" She's like, "Oh no, they were kind of long and boring." She just like takes way too long to tell him that she literally ripped out some of the super important pages. (laughs) Like, it seems crazy that she wouldn't open with this information. Right. He's super excited. This is like they saved him all the jelly donuts (laughs) or like that time that Kendra wanted to talk to him about encyclopedias or something. Right. Just super giddy. Wesley's still pissed. He says they're right back where they started. But that's not true. They at least have an idea of what's in the box. Plus, they have these pages. That's huge. I mean, admittedly, it was better when they could destroy the box. But we don't know he couldn't, like, get another box. So then Buffy's pondering under a tree. Willow comes up and Buffy's like, yeah, I just can never leave Sunnydale. And then Willow reveals that despite getting into every college in America and most of Europe, she will be going to Sunnydale High College.
1: Sunnydale High College? Yep.
0: (laughs) What is it, like UC Sunnydale? Yeah. Buffy's just so excited that she tackles Willow. And I'm like, Buffy, stop. You can't let her do that. Yeah. But Will is like, no, I've decided that I want to fight evil with you by being a witch when I grow up. And this town is, like, the best place to get that kind of education. And it does seem a little dumb to, like, pass up all these colleges. But it's also, like, super mature for an 18-year-old to actually recognize what they want to do and, like, make the choice to turn down all these great schools to do what she thinks is the best use of her talents. Right. To make the world a better place. Right. Huge waste of money on all those application fees, but... I guess they're gonna do a boy meets world where they just all go to college in the same town they went to high school.
1: Yeah, and Mr. Feeney actually shows up. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say, does Snyder follow them to college? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he actually becomes their neighbor and like helps them with a lot of issues. That happens in the show too, right?
0: Um, he is their neighbor the whole time, yeah.
1: we well, you find out that Snyder's actually Joyce's neighbor the entire time too.
0: I would buy that. But yeah, like, Willow is Topanga, who turned down Yale for Corey, who is Buffy. And Xander's, I guess, Eric? Yeah, for sure. So they're going to go get mochas. And Buffy says, sometimes you look at something and you think you know exactly what you're seeing, and then you find out it's something else entirely. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. I think what she's saying is just referring to the next scene where we're going to see some Cordelia stuff, but I don't know what she's referring to in her life.
1: Me either, but I'm thinking about getting it tattooed on my leg.
0: It was just like, what the fuck is this metaphor, Buffy? But then we learn more about Cordelia. She's in the store again, looking at the fancy dress, but it's revealed that she is not shopping there. She is working there. So sad.
1: It sucks so much. She has to work.
0: I'm guessing her family doesn't have money anymore. Not sure what happened. They don't really say. Has she been lying this whole time? Is this recent? I guess we'll find out. But I don't super feel bad for her. Like, in retrospect, it makes Xander look like an asshole for all the things he said earlier, but I think that was completely justified considering what she's said to them. Right. It's funny, though, because earlier in the episode when she shows up to belittle all of them and she's dressed like a teacher, I wrote down, quote, has Cordelia been secretly working a day job this whole time, and that's why she's always dressed for work?
1: That's funny. (laughs) So
0: I guess I was right. Maybe I'm the asshole.
1: Yeah, I think you are.
0: So yeah, Buffy's poetic words about not knowing exactly what you're seeing Could be just to set up this scene, but I don't really know what that means for Buffy's situation. Anyway, Buffy's having a cute little graveyard snuggle with Angel on a blanket. She's kind of excited about college now. If she lives on campus, she'll be closer to Angel's place. And she's all like, the mayor doesn't know what he's talking about with all that relationship stuff. We're going to be okay. And Angel's like, yeah, totally. But I don't think Angel believes that.
1: Yeah, it's one of those, yeah, yeah, everything's going to be fine.
0: And then they just kind of sad cuddle on the gravestone, and that's the episode.
1: I want to know: Does anyone like come by the grave? Like, are you guys picnicking on someone's corpse right now?
0: Who would do that? A
1: vampire? I mean, these graveyards seem to have quite a few people in, in and out of them.
0: Yeah, is there like a graveyard attendant? Like, what are those? Like a grave digger?
1: I wouldn't want to be one. No, but that is twelve more jobs for Sunnydale.
0: Kirk would work all twelve if he lived yeah, here, Yeah, for sure. So, what do you think, Brian? Was it a good one?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good one. I really like that line from Faith where she talks to the vampire and she's like, what are you, the narrator? I like laughed out loud pretty hard at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like that we just get to see so much more of the mayor and his relationship with Faith in this episode. And also, I'm glad that like somebody calls Buffy out for her problems with Angel and like she like hears it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I you know, she seems to be in denial about it.
1: Yeah, it's just like, can we just say that? It, like, needs to happen. But also, I liked Willow's interaction with Faith. I thought that was all really good.
0: Yeah, it was, like, a simultaneously good Willow-building episode, but also, like, the actual things she did were nonsense.
1: Yeah, totally agree. That stuff was nonsense.
0: I mean, her getting the pages was a good move. Yeah. And that she was, like, brave and stuff was cool, because she was generally a very scared person earlier on.
1: And I thought the pages was a good misdirect, because I felt like they definitely set it up like, she's reading it all, she's going to remember it all. Yeah. And then she's like, no, I just read the pages. <laughs> um, it's interesting about Wesley, I feel like Joss does this thing where, I know Joss wasn't the only one writing this episode, but they'll have, like, sort of the voice of reason a lot of times is, like, a character we're not supposed to like.
0: Do you have another example? Yeah,
1: Xander. To Cordelia in this episode? No, I meant just in other episodes.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Where
1: it's like the character's saying something that is reasonable and logical, but we're sort of like angry at that character, so we're allowed to just not accept what they're saying as rational.
0: And the mayor kind of does that, too. Yeah. He, he's sort of the voice of reason about Buffy's relationship with Angel. Right. I still don't get why he said all that.
1: Well, I think it's to put doubt between them. I think he doesn't want them working together.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's also true, and he probably can relate.
1: yeah. He also seems to have some ideas about family values and what people should or shouldn't be doing. Right. But overall, I thought this was a a good episode, yeah.
0: I thought so, too. Other than, you know, silly logic things we pointed out and, like, with, like, Willow's magic and it being kind of silly that Cordelia is constantly showing up to prod them. I thought it was pretty flawless. Yeah. Cool. Should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Meanwhile Uncharmed. Uncharmed.
1: Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen.
0: But we're discussing it anyway.
1: Based only on its IMDb summaries, Stacy, what happened on Charmed?
0: Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 3, Episode 19, The Demon Who Came In from the Cold, Cole officially joins the good fight when he goes undercover in an underworld brotherhood to help Prue, Phoebe, Piper, and Leo learn more about the evil. Their trust in him falters when it looks as though they are being double-crossed. So as you remember, Cole is one of the twins, much like the Winklevoss twins, mm-hmm. which is not actually the name of the twins in Buffy, but those like beefy twins from the Slayer Fest episode being controlled by the old man. Mm-hmm. So there was a similar situation in Charmed, right, where Cole, who was a disgruntled bartender from the bar, mm-hmm. and his twin brother, Kale, right. who was a farmer, mm-hmm. you know, were working for this old man. And then later, Cole caused a b- bunch of trouble, pitting them against a demon, but Phoebe was in love with him despite him being a demon and trying to mess with her family. And she had an opportunity to catch him, but she just let him go.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm more interested, so they're going undercover to learn about the evil? Just the evil?
0: Well, I think that's maybe referring to the Underworld
1: Brotherhood. But it's not capitalized. Right. Like, if I was like, hey, we gotta learn about the evil, I'd be like, the evil, like, proper noun? you are like, no, no, just the, the evil. Just
0: the, the evil. There's evil, guys.
1: You know, and then we gotta learn about the good.
0: Okay, so this is big. This demon that did them dirty shows up and wants to be trusted again. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe is, like, is in love with him, so she's got a soft spot for him. Right. But he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll totally help you. I'll help you learn about the evil.
1: It sounds like he was just saying whatever. And they're like, oh, the evil? He's like, yeah, 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 the evil. Phoebe's
0: like, come on, guys. He wants to help us with the evil. Let's just let him do it.
1: So then he goes into the Underworld Brotherhood, just pretends to be one of them.
0: Yeah, and the Underworld Brotherhood is just like a bunch of real bro demons that right. hang out in the... Right. Underworld he honestly like loves their company, regardless if he agrees with their politics or not. They're just like kind of fun dudes.
1: There's one fun part where one of them smashes a beer can across their head, like you know they do in like frats, but like it sticks to the guy's horns.
0: Yeah, they got horns.
1: I think the girls start to mistrust him because he starts asking all this like stuff about Phoebe, and so they're like, he's trying to figure out how Phoebe's vulnerable. He has so many questions about her,
0: and nobody cares that much about Phoebe.
1: Yeah, nobody. But it turns out in the episodes because he wants to get to know her because he actually has a crush on her, and he wants. To ask her out
0: yeah they, they assumed he was trying to get information he's against them but no he's a sweet boy now yeah or so we think
1: he's just asking all kinds of questions about the Phoebe
0: yeah I mean no one ever taught him articles in school yeah Like, you don't always have to use them.
1: So we'll see. Maybe they'll start dating each other later on. I don't know.
0: I mean, he was just evil. It's going to be hard to trust him.
1: He's in from the cold now, boo.
0: Is that a reference to something?
1: I'm assuming it is, but I don't know what it is, and I don't care to look it up. No. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted.
0: So then, we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Keg Max.
1: So this episode is about Lorelai dealing with her unresolved relationship drama with Max. It's also about the consequences of Jess not having gone to school over and over again and how that's going to affect his relationship with Rory.
0: And there's a party.
1: And there's a party. So it's Lorelai and Rory's first Friday night free, and they can't figure out what to do. They're just, like, paralyzed by choices. Rory is annoyed with her mom for not finishing her thoughts and sentences, which I totally... Lorelai is sure her parents are eating sadly by themselves, but when Rory calls to say hi... They hear that Emily and Richard are actually having a giant like fancy party with like 60 people there with like mushroom cap appetizers and hors d'oeuvres and like piano players. So they're super jelly and Lorelai turns this into a contest for some reason. She's like, okay, they win this time but we gotta think of something really big and cool for next Friday. And I'm just like, you just had a huge birthday party with an enormous crane dropped pizza. Just chill out, Lorelai.
0: But that was the night of Friday night (laughs) dinner.
1: But also like, you didn't need to make it a contest.
0: Right. We also don't See Emily, right? We don't know. We hear that a guy named Lloyd is feeling up Emily. Yes,
1: maybe putting his hands where he shouldn't, like some sort of vampire Willow.
0: Mm.
1: But like Lorelai's the one turning this into like a contest. You know what I mean?
0: Well, they didn't hear that she wants to make it a contest.
1: No, but she says out loud to Rory, "Okay, they win this time."
0: Yeah, it does kind of feel like Emily and Richard. Went all out on purpose, though.
1: I mean, I would agree with you if they were the ones that had reached out.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: They're probably doing this just for themselves.
0: To not feel so empty.
1: Yeah. At Luke's, Lorelai is obsessed with her new camera. Do you guys remember when nice cameras weren't, like, just part of your phone? Yeah. It's kind of funny. She's just, like, taking photos of the menu and stuff. She's sort of actually being obnoxious. The Booster Club sent Lorelai a letter asking her to participate more. And Lorelai doesn't want to do it since school's like pretty much over and Rory's about to graduate and already is going to get into college. But Rory's like, well, the school decides if I can get extra graduation tickets and they're the ones that are going to hold on to my diploma and I guess decide if she gets it, which is weird. So Lorelai like agrees to do this. Otherwise, this scene just lets us know that Luke knows how cameras work and Lorelai is obsessed with a new one.
0: Which we don't see.
1: Which we don't see again. So I'm like, is this is going to come? Up in another episode why I don't what? know anyway at the gilmer girl garage rory and jess are watching lane's band practicing they're trying to come up with a new name and they are not being successful zach is pushing for them to be called follow them to the edge of the desert which i have to actually say is kind of a fun name i don't hate it jess is also watching this and surprisingly is in a good mood and like being supportive
0: mm-hmm.
1: he even like mentions that he likes dave I don't know why he's not in a bad mood. His car is still missing. Luke still has it, I guess.
0: I guess. They keep saying it. Maybe it got ripped apart for parts. Maybe Luke did that.
1: Maybe. But despite that, he's still in like a relatively good mood. Uh, Rory like reminds him about prom coming up, and she makes it clear that the most important thing in her life right now is going to prom with Lane. So specifically at Lane and Jess's school. That's important. And Jess promises her that he's getting the tickets this week and 100% is going to go and wear a tux and go all out and be a great boyfriend for her because he knows this is very important to her. That's nice. Yeah, it is all nice. It's like Jess being a good boyfriend. She's like, I'll pay for the tickets. And he's like, no, 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 of course you're not. He's being a good boyfriend. That's important.
0: They also point out that Kyle is having a Mondo party.
1: Mondo party.
0: Kyle, a boy from school.
1: Who we will meet soon. Yes.
0: And the band is playing at that party.
1: At the end, Lorelai, meanwhile, is having some trouble as they're still trying to recover from the fire. She has to lay off a ton of people because they just can't afford to have them on staff right now. But she's outsourced some of this firing to Michelle, mostly because Michelle loves being mean to people. So I think he offered to do it for her. Luke is there repairing the stove. Suki apparently accidentally touched his butt. And this leads to a bunch of legit funny butt jokes. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I feel like it would not be appropriate if a man were making these jokes, but I do think they're all very funny. Lou complains that he and Nicole have to leave super early this weekend for a ski trip because she can't come stay at his place because Jess lives in the same fucking room as him. Once again, why is this their living situation? A man should not live in the same room and sleep in the same room as his ward. It's Laura weird.
0: even said that. She was like, Luke, you can't have a. Luke also has a twin bed still.
1: Yeah, this is nonsense.
0: Th- that's the reason Nicole's not coming, because Luke sleeps in a twin bed in his living room.
1: But also, if this is the issue, why don't you and Nicole just crash for the night in Jess's car that you clearly stole?
0: <laughs> Romantic.
1: Yeah. Loreline offers to let Luke and Nicole stay at the inn for all his help. You know, this is the one time she actually um, isn't taking total advantage of him. Luke says he doesn't know, but she's like, we'll keep it reserved for you. At the end of the scene, Michelle barges in, and this is all very funny. He says he just can't fire Frank, because when he went to fire Frank, Frank mentioned that he had all these, like, small little puppies that he was selling or trying to get adopted, and Michelle adopted some of the puppies. But he still <laughs> it's like, so can you fire Frank? <laughs>
0: Michelle went soft.
1: Yeah. You think he's going to go soft and be like, we can't fire Frank. But he's like, no, I just, I can't. You should do it. Okay, So then at Booster Club, Lorelai is there with some other parents, including one named Doug, who was similarly guilted by their letters to help participate. And then there's this weird interaction between two parents. This woman says, I can't believe my daughter is 18 already. Cool. Fine. No problem. And then Doug says, "Huh, my girl was 18 when she was 10." It's not totally clear what he means, but it seems to us that he's sort of suggesting that she's been acting 18 ever since she was 10, Kind of like, "Oh, she's 14, going on 30," that yeah, kind like, of a.
0: Like Paris, I feel like probably acted older when she was 10."
1: Right. The idea being she's been mature for her age for a long time. It's a very light-hearted, harmless comment, I feel like. But then that same woman says, "Men, <sighs> What?"
0: Yeah, the guy is like, what? And Lorelai's like, they're setting traps. Which I think is what this is. They're just, like, trying to get him to say something offensive? Yeah,
1: I feel that's the idea, but, like, I just it bothered me so much. The guy was not being a dick at all. He was making a lighthearted joke about maturity of his daughter.
0: Yeah, unless, like, the woman was trying to construe it like a sex thing? Like, she's been developed since she was? But that's super weird.
1: Yeah, it does. It's, it makes no sense. Also, like, Doug didn't want to be here. <laughs> like yeah. You sent the letter to Doug so that you could come roast him for no reason.
0: These women are evil. They're the Cordelias.
1: They are the Cordelias. I don't even understand what she was complaining about.
0: These are also much older, less cool moms than the last club Lorelai was forced to join.
1: Agreed. We find out that Grad Night Party is going to be on a yacht. I have a couple questions. What the hell is a grad night party?
0: No yeah, grad night party.
1: Is that something other schools had? Not mine. Is it regularly on boats, or do you and I just go to, like, some shitty poor schools?
0: I mean, I bet there's schools that, like, have a grad night. And a yacht? No. <laughs> Let us know.
1: <laughs> Since both Doug and Lorelai were late, the rest of the club voted them in for the shittiest positions. Doug is league chaperone, and Lorelai is treasurer, which she really, really doesn't want to be. But then, surprise, Max Medina shows up. Lorelai is very phased by this.
0: He's playing it super cool.
1: And then it sort of just, like, ends. We don't really see much. He makes a comment like, oh, you picking on you, Doug? Well, I'm here to offer you gender support. Whatever that means, but...
0: Max has a lot of weird ideas about gender.
1: He does. We'll get to the more of those later. The next day with Suki, Lorelai's complaining that Max seemed to, like, not be affected at all by their kiss. He was totally acting cool, and she just didn't know what to think. By the way, what the hell is Lorelai wearing in this scene? A hat. She looks like she's about to go golfing with her dad.
0: (laughs) It's also kind of like in Buffy, because the scene opens with Suki saying, weird, very weird. I
1: know, and it's like, yeah, her outfit. It's like a pink top, pink sweater, brown pants, and a weird gray hat, whatever. Suki's all like, okay, but what do you want from... Him? What do you want with him? And Lorelai admits she doesn't know. She even admits technically that she's still with Alex and she doesn't know if she wants to be with Max. She even says she'd have a better idea what she wants when she knows what Max wants, which is total bullshit. Your feelings and desires for someone are not dependent on the other person's feelings and desires. Obviously, how you act on those feelings does depend on how the other person feels. But if you love someone and they say they aren't interested, you aren't suddenly like, oh, well, I have no feelings for you then. Otherwise, breakups would be super easy, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's just a cop-out to be like, well, I want to know if he's into me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess she probably is kind of into him and it would help her know if she should pursue it if he's interested too. And maybe she feels weird pursuing it since he's sort of the underdog here.
1: Right. But the thing is, is that's not what she says. I don't know if underdog's the right word, <laughs> She's just like, I don't know how I feel. Like, yes, you do. I don't know. I'm being too harsh.
0: Also, she says that Max is Rory's teacher again. Yes. It's like April. Why did he leave a teaching job in California like mid-semester and come start teaching at Chilton? Maybe he's like subbing.
1: Or there was a sub in his class. But like, what class is Rory taking from him right now?
0: Maybe his program in California wasn't like a traditional college class. It was just like a weird short-term whenever thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. Then at school, Jess gets some bad news. He's called into the principal's office after he tries to pick up some of his and Rory's prom tickets. Some of them. Turns out Jess has missed too many days and not only cannot go to prom, but isn't going to graduate. Super humble Jess is all like, listen, I'm smarter than everyone. I'm only a little behind. I can make up all my work because I'm the smartest man on the planet. But the principal said like, well, we sent you nine warnings and then tried to set up a ton of meetings to work this out, but you blew them all off. This is your own making. All of this for me is like a nightmare come to life. At least once a year, I still get that nightmare where I find out that I had a college class I somehow completely forgot about and never went to. And then I remember a day before the final test that I'm definitely going to fail.
0: That happens to me, too. Yeah. But like, Jez was willfully ignoring school.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's still like the same, like, what? I'm gonna, what? Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It's Jess, this is all Jess's fault.
0: It's kind of nice, though, because even in this scene, he's like still trying to get to go to prom. (laughs) Like, he knows how important to Rory this is.
1: Right. He's like, well, can't I just go to prom? He's like, I'll go to summer school. And the guy's like, yeah, it's not enough. At the Gilmore house, Lorelai is complaining that the Booster Club cash box is short $18. She, of course, did not count it when she received it.
0: Everyone, including herself, keeps saying how bad with money she is. But she runs a business. Yeah. Maybe she should not be bad with money.
1: Also, like, how bad can you be? Like, running a cash store is not that hard.
0: I know. I don't know that they've set up that she's bad with money before.
1: Yeah, I don't remember that. Meanwhile, Rory's getting ready for a party, and Lorelai says, Hey, you don't need your purse. You can leave that here. I don't understand why she, like, says you shouldn't bring a purse.
0: She kind of just gives her a bunch of party tips because I think she used to party a lot. Probably, like, having a purse at a party, it could get stolen or sure, yeah. puked in or you forget it.
1: That's true. So I guess she's trying to be helpful. Yeah. But then she's like, you don't need your purse. All you need is your key. And you can connect that to your belt buckle. It makes a joke about how she won't lose it as long as she keeps her pants on. No way that's foreshadowing, right? Mm. But she's also going to look dumb as hell with, like, a key sticking out of her belt.
0: Just put it in your pocket. She's wearing jeans.
1: Yeah, it's a single key. Why do you... Also, you've left your door, like, unlocked a bunch, so...
0: You can also tie it to your shoelace.
1: Yeah, any of those things. Put it in your bra.
0: Well, then it might fall out, too.
1: Lorelai awkwardly doesn't ask Rory about how she might feel about dating Max again. Yeah.
0: She's like, I promise I wouldn't ask you about Max ever again, and I, uh, still won't. Yeah.
1: At the end, Michelle is freaking out because they are understaffed and he is also very worried about his new adopted child puppies. <laughs> he keeps calling them child puppies. <laughs> I just love him saying child puppies. It's my favorite. One of them is saying paw paw. Isn't like, he
0: saying chow puppies? They're chow chows.
1: That's what it is, because that's what the that's what the subtitle said, that they were chow puppies. But I thought he was saying child puppies.
0: I was like, why would that's redundant? <laughs>
1: I just thought it was a very sweet little...
0: Oh, I wish he was calling them child puppies.
1: Oh, now it's less funny to me. I'm
0: sorry. He was just saying the name of the dog.
1: That makes sense. I turned on the subtitles and I was like, chow puppies. These subtitles don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, I
0: love that you're like, this doesn't make sense what he's saying. Oh, the subtitles must be wrong also.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's French. Anyway, so Lorelai offers to help him by doing some of their obligatory night turndown services.
0: I've never been to a place where this happens.
1: Yeah. Turn down service. uh, Listen, I've been a comedian for years. I've been in so many hotels as I travel doing gigs. Never once has this been offered or suggested to me.
0: No. I mean, we're not staying in inns generally. Right. Unless it's like a holiday inn.
1: Right. I've stayed in inns though. I have. And no one ever knocks on the door and they're like, you want me to do a bunch of weird stuff in your room?
0: Well, I did one time, but you weren't in the mood.
1: That was It's like, no, I want to just do normal, basic stuff. (laughs) So you put your spaghetti bag down and...
0: My spaghetti bag.
1: So Lorelai starts to do these turndown services and she comes across Luke and Nicole staying in their room. First off, I don't understand how neither of them recognize each other's voice. Lorelai knocks on the door. She's like, "Turn down service. Luke's like, come on in. You'd think she would recognize Luke's voice or Luke would recognize her voice. They see each other every day. Sure. If I were Luke and I heard Lorelai's voice asking to do turndown service, I would say, we're fine, thank you. Because Lacole doesn't like Lorelai, we know that. Lorelai is like a big sore spot for them. Anyway, Lorelai walks in and turns the awkwardness level up to about a thousand percent. She like slowly and clumsily describes everything she's doing. She just narrates it and takes forever. She can't even light the fireplace. She def gives the feeling that she's secretly fucking Luke and feels awkward about it.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know why she stays. Like Luke's like, we don't need this. You can go. She's like, no, no, we must do it. It's part
1: of it. Yeah, I would have come in and be like, let me draw the drapes for you. Here's a mint pillow. Here's some towels. Have a good night. See you guys around.
0: A mint pillow? That sounds nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, it's a very big pillow that's edible.
0: <laughs> it takes you the whole stay.
1: Yeah, uh, or she could have given him a pillow mint, whichever one
0: she yeah, had on it. You have your choice. Yeah.
1: As emotionally intelligent as Lorelai is like supposed to be, it's crazy that she can't tell how much Nicole hates all of this. And even if she can, it's just like, then hurry up and get out of there, girl. Like, leave. All I
0: can think of is like, she's just going out of her way to prove that nothing's weird. Yeah. That it might be weirder if she acknowledged that it's uncomfortable, that she has a relationship with Luke. By just, like, going about her business, she's like, nope, this is just what we're doing.
1: She's speaking like a broken robot, though. I mean, it just comes off so unnatural.
0: Yeah, this is, a lot of people hate this scene very much. It's probably one of the cringier moments in the entire series.
1: Oh, yeah, it's very cringy.
0: But, like, what is this service? I feel like I would not want this from anyone. Like, I feel like even if this was a woman they'd never met, I'd be like, this is weird. Please get out. My girlfriend's in her robe. We don't need someone to turn down the bed for us.
1: Yeah, it'd be one thing if it's, like, you and I were staying at a hotel. And we were like gone during turn down service hours. And yeah. we also knew it was happening. And we came back and there was fresh linens and like fluffed pillows and the fireplace. Yeah, that might be nice, but like definitely not while I'm there. It's weird to come into my hotel room while I'm there.
0: Yeah. There should be towels upon entry. Yeah. I could see asking for it. Like we're going to be gone at dinner. Could you please do the turn down? Or like it being an option and you opting for it. Right.
1: I read that, like, some places, like, will read stories to kids and shit. Like, just, what?
0: Like, the maid just comes in and reads your kid a story? Yeah, I don't don't know, man. She kiss him goodnight, too?
1: Yeah, and they'll fuck your husband for you. Whatever you need.
0: It's vacation. Yeah. Mama's gotta relax.
1: Mama's gotta relax. They'll also dilate your cervix. Anything you need.
0: Why is she going on vacation when she's in labor?
1: Because she's a mama and she needs to relax. (laughs) Okay, so then later, Lorelai goes to Booster Club.
0: That prompts the question, what time is turned down?
1: Yeah, it's gotta be like five or six. Yeah. Paris shows up for like a second just to rant about how having a grad party on a yacht is like a terrible idea. This is clearly just to like give Paris more screen time. Yeah. (laughs) So random that she just like comes to this. Uh, it is funny, though, because the group just, like, hears her out and then completely ignores what she saying.
0: <laughs> They're all, like, uh, annoyed when they see she's coming, too. Like, yeah. they've all dealt with her in the past, obviously.
1: Lorelai notices that Doug is gone. And then the mean lady says, with so much pleasure, I love scaring the Dugs away. And then she sort of, like, hugs herself and smiles when she says it.
0: Why did they invite Doug? What the fuck is wrong with Doug? D- did they invite Doug to torture Doug?
1: Th- yeah, they sent him the letter. I don't know.
0: These ladies are mean.
1: Especially that one. Yeah, that woman is super mean. Fuck you, lady. I hope you end up dying alone. I hope you're Tristan's mom, and that's why he's messed up. Oh. Also, Max is missing. Probably because this woman is such an exhausting person to be around. So Lorelai starts searching through the school for Max. She, like, asks the janitor where the bathroom is, and he points. I think, actually, she's just trying to, like, justify why she's in the hallway. Yeah. And the janitor's like, it's over there, and she's like, okay, well, I'm gonna go this way. Which is funny, but also, like, I doubt the janitor was going to stop you. If Buffy has taught me anything, you can just walk around a school all hours of the day or night, and it doesn't matter.
0: Unless you're doing a cafeteria South American box
1: deal. (laughs) Right, which Lorelai wasn't doing in this episode. No. She finds Max in his office and just barges in to discuss them, I guess. Again, I hate this entire scene. She walks in, is like, is this a bad time? He's like, yep. She's like, are you busy? He's like, Yep. She just ignores all that and comes in demanding they talk. He doesn't want to. He also doesn't want her to come close to him because he's afraid he can't help himself. She says that she casts some sort of, like, spell on him that makes him act stupid. She doesn't respect his space at all. She just, like, starts walking up to him. He's, like, literally, like, I don't want you near me. And she just ignores this. She, like, literally follows him around the room like Pepe Le Pew.
0: I mean, she could talk to him from the corner of the room. It's not a big room. She doesn't have to be, like,
1: touching distance with him. Max is like, listen, we shouldn't see each other. And she's like, well, that's impossible. You know, we're gonna see each other, which would be a reasonable thing to say, okay? If she wasn't like literally chasing him around the room, trying to get close to him. Yeah. He is so uncomfortable in this scene. He's like sliding chairs between them. Honestly, if this scene were reversed, if it was like a woman being chased around a room by like Young Chu uh, and this was Lane, <laughs> uh, he'd get the shit kicked out of him for being like an attempted sex offender. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this scene would be like a horror scene instead of like a goofy scene that we're playing for laughs. Right. So finally he's like, listen, I was seeing someone in LA. Does that hurt you? I I don't even know why he says that, honestly.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think he's just trying to think of reasons this is not something that could work out between them besides just telling her he doesn't want to be with her.
1: Yeah. But he says to her, like, you had your chance. Like, I gave you the ring. You said no. And she's like, yeah, you're right. And she sort of acts like upset or hurt. But it's like, you did. You had the chance. It's over. Right. Respect this man's wishes. You've hurt him so much, so unfairly. Just let him be, man. If he doesn't want to see you, that's his right. Anyway, the scene ends in what should be a funny scene. If it hadn't just been so terrible before. (laughs) He says that when they leave the room that it may be the last time they run into each other, but then they immediately literally run into each other on their way out. Yeah. I know it sounds like I'm being super harsh because this scene's supposed to be funny and cute, I think. But, like, honestly, it's like, this is just not cool, Lorelai. I
0: didn't think it was funny and cute. You did or didn't? Didn't. I thought she was being weird. I mean, I think it was meant to be a little exaggerated with him, like, throwing furniture between them and being like, you're this, like, mythological creature that I can't help myself around. But the whole time, I'm like, Lorelai, like, just say what you want to say, but keep your distance if that's what he wants. It's weird that you need to get in his face to have this conversation.
1: Yeah, totally. There, there is some sort of um, connection, I think, like, mirroring the episode where she comes to his house and they try to keep furniture between them so they don't, like, hook up. Yeah. In season one, but I don't know. I didn't like it. So that's the end of her story. And now we got to talk about that party. Rory is at this party at a guy named Kyle's house. We just met Kyle. Don't know who the hell he is. He's a student with braces. And his friend?
0: Brother? Boyfriend?
1: Marshall. We
0: don't know how Marshall is related to him. Yeah,
1: that's it. We do not know. Marshall's just a close friend that's helping him, I guess. Uh, Lane and her band are going to play there. Jess and Rory are both there early for emotional support. Zach is excited to do a bunch of jump kicks during his performance, but I don't know how great idea that is because Kyle is hosting this and he's like super concerned about things being damaged at the house. Like he's like wrapping up all of the stuff that's like fragile including like her his parents like pummels, pommels, hummels, pommels? Hummels. Pommels, hummels. Pommels? Hummels. Pommels? With an h? Chow puppies? <laughs> Child puppies. Pommels. Hummels. Uh, legit though Kyle is pretty funny throughout this episode. Yeah. Dude is constantly asking people to, like, watch the carpet, and, like, he tells Marshall at some point, to like, get the towels, not the nice towels, the swim towels.
0: That's why I'm like, does Marshall know where their towels are kept? Like, what? how much time does he spend in this house?
1: Yeah, Kyle should not be having this party, by the way. His house is too delicate. Mm-hmm. Kyle's 21-year-old idiot cousin brought, like, a keg. Makes it
0: very clear he's 21.
1: Yeah, and also dumb. Lane is concerned about this. She's like, isn't is that legal? Of course it's not. A lot of stuff's not legal, Lane. Young Chu is also there, being obsessed with Lane and weird as fuck. Dave like clearly hates him. This is this funny line where he's like, uh, you need to stay away from the courts because I don't want you to get electrocuted and die, Young Choo. <laughs>
0: He's there because Lane's supposedly with him. Right. Keeping the ruse for her mother.
1: But he's just being so weird, beta-obsessed man. Like, he's, like, saving Lane a seat next to him in his all-white, like, dress-up outfit. And she's, like, constantly waving and smiling at her. from across. He's such a weirdo, man.
0: If you remember, we found out an episode or two ago that he's has fallen in love with her. And yeah. it's no longer just a ruse on his end.
1: Jess is not in a good mood, which... I understand because he's hiding a terrible secret from Rory and it's essentially just like a time bomb. He knows it's gonna go off at some point, you know? Like she's not gonna be able to go to prom because of what he did and what he promised her he had a handle on. I totally relate to this feeling. Like I remember in high school waiting for this one bad report card to come in the mail. Narcissistic side note, I was a straight age student in college, but in high school I had ADD and did not apply myself.
0: Did you say you were a straight age student?
1: Yeah, <laughs> um.
0: you got all H's, but yet you don't know how to spell Hummels. Yeah, no,
1: no, no. I was I exclusively studied Hummels. Okay, so I just I remember having this shitty like feeling of dread because I knew my parents were gonna get this and our relationship was going to change as soon as it came in the mail. Did it? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Just total stomach turning dread and self loathing, and you're like hanging out with your parents and laughing, but you're like, ha ha, this is temporary. So Jess is in a sour mood. He's, like, upset that they're early. And whenever he starts complaining, Rory just, like, kisses him to, like, make him feel better, which is maybe just, like, not a great system of reinforcement. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess she knows it works. That's kind of what he would do to Shane to pacify her when she was That's bored. That's actually true. He would make out with her.
1: I guess, like, for me, like, first off, just, like, a single kiss is, like, not that big of a deal. I know I'm not a high school student, but, like, he's been doing some deep dive kissing, you know?
0: Yeah, into pockets.
1: So, like, a single kiss is going to be like, okay, I'm having a good time, you know? Right, right. If the kiss was like, hey, later we're going to do hand stuff, like, maybe. <laughs> but Yeah. Because hand stuff is where it's at, everybody.
0: Handstuff.com.
1: Uh, handstuff.com. Kyle and his friends can't figure out how to make their keg work. And Jess, like, comes upon them and just, like, condescendingly shows them how to tap a keg. He is smarter than everyone else, I guess.
0: I think that's what this illustrates, actually. How, like, maybe everyone that goes to this school is, like, a shallow, dumb idiot.
1: I mean, I feel like this is sort of, like, showing him that he's smart. Like, Luke is smart, sort of like a working man smart, like, blue collar. Sure. But he also is, we know he's book smart, too, so.
0: They also, like, didn't know you even needed to tap it. Like, they hadn't even gotten that instrument out of the
1: bag. Yeah, but they're, like, young pommel rappers, you know what I mean? Like, they. this is probably their first party. Hummel? Uh, they they wrap a lot of stuff. Those things that you, like, uh, do gymnastics on and... Hummel horses? Yep.
0: <laughs> you were a straight H student.
1: Yeah. It stood for it has to come back next year. <laughs> the band, especially Brian, are all super nervous. Brian can't even, like, breathe right now. I only mention this. I, this is not important at all, but I just, like, need to mention that there's a few shots when Brian's, like, recovering that they show a cat tree, and on top of it is, like, a big fake dog?
0: Like a child dog.
1: yeah. <laughs> like a chow dog. <laughs> Is that supposed to be their cat? Are we supposed to think that's a real cat? I-, I don't know. It's way too big to be like a cat or dog toy. It's the size of a small dog, like a chow dog.
0: Get a stuffed cat if you want it to be a fake cat. Yeah. Because if they have a cat, it would be there. Probably.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. It's I, just like a weird detail. But there's no reason to be worried because the band performs. Everybody loves it. They're a hit. But Dave suddenly is being cold to Lane when she's trying to celebrate. And it's all obviously because of Young Choo. Then he confronts Lane and she admits that Young Chu may be in love with her. And he, Dave doesn't take this super well. He thinks Young Chu wants to take Lane to prom. And he knows all he has to do is run out the clock if he doesn't break up with her in time. I totally think Dave is right. She's being absurd by not telling Young Choo to break up with her.
0: Yeah, I get that it's complicated, but she needs to not lead Young
1: Choo on. Exactly. She's stringing him along. She learned from Rory. Yeah. Faced with Young Choo being needy as fuck, Lane decides she's going to just drink her first beer instead. Kyle and his friends are, like, talking about Lord of the Rings, which, by the way, that movie had been out for a while at this point, and we already had an episode where Lorelai and Rory were talking about watching the DVD of Lord of the Rings. Is this the only movie that Amy has seen?
0: There were three of them. They kept coming out for a while.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: This would be 2003? I, I don't know. Actually, the second one was out at that point.
1: Well, I guess that was on everybody's mind.
0: It was on my mind. I had my handheld during the second one at the movie theater by a boy that I didn't know liked me until that moment.
1: I thought you meant like a little handheld camera like you were pirating the movie. No. I didn't know you were holding hands back then.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I didn't know you were a little hand whore.
0: (laughs) I was a straight H student. Oh my God. I know whore doesn't start with an H.
1: I didn't. I guess that's, (laughs) no. dot com. .com. Well, anyway, Lane wants a beer. So Kyle and his friends pour her like one little baby squirt of beer. And apparently that's enough to get her wasted.
0: They also say foam or no foam. As if that's a multiple choice question.
1: Like, uh, you're getting a cappuccino.
0: You want no foam.
1: To be fair, Kyle and them don't know. I think that's the idea, right? It
0: was was funny that they don't know that foam isn't desirable in beer.
1: But also, they squirt her, like, so little. Lane quickly becomes drunk after what she self-reports as one and a half beers.
0: She's small. She's probably never drank before. Right. Is that enough? No. It's just beer. Maybe if it was, like, a hard drink. I'm
1: willing to say maybe she might feel a little tipsy.
0: Yes, I think for sure. I, I didn't really drink when I was in high school, but my parents would let me like have a wine cooler, like from the age of like twelve. Right. So I knew what being tipsy felt like. Sure. Like, you know, just that tiny little buzz. Yeah. So I don't think I was like shocked the first time I had a beer. Right. So maybe had I not done that, like not that, that like built up a tolerance at all. This was very rare. But like maybe if you'd never had anything.
1: I just, she acts way too drunk.
0: Maybe she wisdom. didn't eat. You wouldn't throw up from one and a half beers. I don't care how many you've ever had in your life or how big you are.
1: Yeah. But this drunkenness is bad because it just makes her feel so free, liberated. She just like calls her mom and admits to everything. She Says she's in a band. She's at a party drinking. She's in love with Dave and Young Chu is just a ruse. It means nothing to her.
0: I love when she asks Kyle if she can use the phone. She's like, oh yeah, it's local distance.
1: Dave, like, confronts her about that, and he is uh, not super excited that she's drunk and, like, ruining her relationship with her mom.
0: And the band.
1: Right. He's like, can you play? And she's like, oh, I could play the drums. He's like, right, right, right. What about the drums? (laughs) She's more of a B student. Yeah. Dean and Lindsay are also at this party, and Lindsay seems to be a little warmer towards Rory when they start interacting. Lindsay, like, says something stupid off top. She's like, oh, I like the band, but I didn't recognize any of the songs. Like, every band you go to should play songs you recognize.
0: Well, they maybe were playing covers.
1: I guess. They didn't set that up, did they?
0: I don't know. I feel like in the past they've said they do some covers.
1: Okay, maybe they did.
0: They didn't. I don't know if they said that in this episode, though.
1: But Dean mentions that Lindsay just, like, isn't that into music. She's not a music freak like they are. And then she starts, like, listing some mainstream bands that she likes. And then Jess is like, jeez. Like, what an (laughs) asshole. First of all, not everyone's into music, and that is okay. Yeah. But I really hate the, like, dripping superiority that, like, so many people have about music. Like, music is subjective, like any kind of art, you Uh know? And it's like with comedians. You and I have refined comedic tastes, I think, because we've been exposed to a lot of comedy. Indubitably. But I wouldn't judge somebody for liking a mainstream comic, especially if they just told me they're, like, not that into comedy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's on edge because he thinks everyone, again, from the school is an idiot and, like, not sophisticated in the way that he is. So I think this is just, like, reinforcing his already bad outlook on that.
1: Right, but it's one thing to, like, say it to yourself or later to say to Roy, like, "Ah, oh, what's wrong with her? But, like, she says, I'm not that into music. Oh, I guess I like some. And he's like, ugh, like, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone told me that, like... They really like Jeff Dunham. I would be like, huh, well, that's not for me, but, like, I don't necessarily think you're a terrible person.
0: You might say that to me in private.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: But you wouldn't say Gs under your breath. Not even under your breath. All the way on top of your breath.
1: No, and also, some mainstream artists are good, okay? Taylor Swift is popular for a reason. It's because she's talented as fuck. Anyway. Brian loves Taylor Swift. Rory finds Jess upstairs alone in a room, staring out a window like he's in an antidepressant commercial. (laughs) So fucking weird, man. Just it, like it needed to be raining. It's just the only thing that would add to it. Rory knows something happened to make him sad. And she's like asking him. And he obviously doesn't want to say, uh, we're not going to prom. I ruined everything for you. So he just starts kissing her instead. They move on to bed. One thing leads to another. And apparently he just like really wants to get that key out of her buckle.
0: Mm-hmm. He wants to go home. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what he should have said.
0: He did say he wanted to leave.
1: Yeah. She says wait two times. But I guess he like really, really wants to open her door. Yeah. It's very aggressive and not okay, but he does stop when Rory, like, pushes him off. And she's like, you didn't think it was going to happen here, did you, like, where anyone could walk in? And he's just, just, like, says he doesn't know what to think anymore. And then she goes to console him, because Rory's a good person. And he yells, "Just like, just stop, I didn't invite you up here, you just came in on your own. And Rory says, I don't know what I did wrong, and leaves crying. And Jess obviously is like, well, you didn't do anything wrong. He realizes he's being a piece of shit. So he runs after her, and then they both run into Dean on the stairs. Dean sees Rory crying. And Dean puts two and two together, which he can do now that he's applying himself in school.
0: He's a straight four student.
1: And he just starts punching Jess. The fight just sort of travels throughout the house. Yeah. I will say, I don't think they use any stunt doubles, so I'll give them that. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a really funny moment during this fight where Dave is trying to, like, confront Young Choo, like, f- nicely about their situation.
0: Yeah, Young Chu's scared he's going to punch him. Yeah,
1: Young Choo's like, don't touch me, don't touch me. And Dave's like, hey, no, let's just keep this friendly, honest. And then the Dean and Jess fight sort of just, like, knocks him into and on top of Young Choo. Yeah. That was really funny. Poor uh,
0: Kyle's house.
1: I know. Kyle's friends and cousin eventually just, like, throw the two outside just in time for the cops to come. I feel like it feels like the cops are coming because of the fight. But, like, the cops must have been called earlier. Yeah. Like, unless the police department's across the street. Like-
0: Who called the Buffy cops? Probably the same person.
1: Yeah, definitely the same person.
0: But somehow the Hummel gets broken. The one yes. that they named in the beginning was called Boy with Toothache, which is mom's favorite, which they wrapped up, somehow breaks. Yeah, and they this.
1: walk out with it broke, and I'm like, well, Kyle, maybe you, shouldn't have, you should not have left it in his box. He's probably
0: getting it out to show people. It's my mom's favorite Hummel. Thanks <laughs> for coming. Use a coaster.
1: Just then, like, stares back at Rory, and he just, like, sort of walks off, and then Rory goes to help, like, a retching lane. And that's the episode.
0: Do you think that Dean thought more happened between Rory and Jess? I mean, I guess like what happened is maybe what he thought happened. That Jess was trying to do more than she wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I'm torn. Let's talk about the Jess thing. I want to get your opinion on this. In my opinion, he was obviously being very aggressive and, like, isn't okay. And he deserves, like, Rory, like, getting into a fight with him or, like, demanding he apologize. Uh Uh-huh. But I feel like he did stop.
0: Yeah, I don't think he was going to, like, actually make her do something she didn't want to do.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: I mean, he maybe should have read her body language a little sooner that she wasn't into it.
1: And he was frustrated by that. Not that that makes it okay. But, like, so he yelled at her.
0: Yeah, because he even says in this episode that she's the only person that he likes.
1: Yeah. So
0: now he can't even, like, make her happy by taking her to prom. He can't seem to get as far with her as he wants to, which is, like, what he's looking for in this moment. So he's just frustrated.
1: Right. Again, doesn't justify his behavior. But I don't know that it's, like, you got to get your ass kicked for what he did.
0: No. Dean has been wanting to do this for a while and finally found an excuse. They don't show Lindsay. I wonder what she's been thinking.
1: She's probably crying because she heard, like, a really touching Jewel song.
0: Just on her Walkman in the bathroom?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Stace, do you think this is a good one?
0: Um, I liked the Rory part, I think. But pretty much everything with Lorelai was dumb. Yeah. Like, all of the Booster Club stuff was pretty stupid. And the Luke turndown thing was so stupid. So dumb. And I don't know really why they even introduced this Max drama. Maybe the writers were like, yeah, we do need to get closure for that because we fucked up by not really saying how it ended. It just felt like. Why did we even have two episodes about Max? Yeah. Because, yeah, her her scene talking to Max was pretty cringy. But I liked the party. The, the fight was cool. It was like a big scale thing that they did. Yeah. The fight was not a simple task to pull off, probably.
1: And I should clarify. So I made a point of, like, I don't think that Jess necessarily should have got beat up. But I do feel like all of those actions are realistic. Yeah. Like, he tried to make something happen and didn't work. An ex-boyfriend got upset about it and, like, got into a fight. I don't think that's unrealistic. I feel like that all could happen.
0: Yeah. Um. See, I don't think it's a bad episode at all, but I think there's some some problems with it. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel similarly. Um, it wasn't incredibly funny. No. And I just the stuff with Lorelai. All her scenes were like bad, like you said. The stuff of the party was good. The stuff with Jess was good. I liked all the Rory, Jess, Dean stuff. Mm-hmm. And even the Lane stuff was fun. Young Chu was like, hilariously fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I didn't like any of the stuff of Lorelai this episode.
0: There's no Kirk.
1: No Kirk, which is the biggest problem.
0: Barely any, Luke.
1: No Emily. Just a touch of Richard.
0: So which one do you think was better?
1: I think Buffy was better.
0: Yeah, I think Buffy was better. Yeah, Buffy just really ramping up that story. There's yeah. there's less, like, side stuff happening in Buffy now, and it's all just like, we're going to this big finale, where Gilmore Girls felt like it was like inventing this booster club thing to give Lorelai something to do.
1: Yeah, that's what it felt like to me.
0: Or just to give her a reason to be where Max is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I don't know that I needed to see Max.
1: Yeah, I agree. It would have been nice to, like, get some of this closure with Max, like, when it happened.
0: Do you think Max will come back?
1: Yeah, I do. Even though you've... They're sort of suggesting he's not going to, but I think that's misdirection. Hmm. I think that's misdirection. I think you're misdirecting me.
0: My name is Miss Direction. That's funny. Thank you. You think she's going to not respect his distance wishes, or you think he's going to change his mind? I don't know. You think Mr. Medina is going to follow Rory to college like Mr. Feeney and Snyder?
1: Yeah, and he's going to live next to her, too.
0: <laughs> be hard for him to live next to Lorelai. And
1: then there's going to be this uh, scene where Lorelai's like, listen, honey, to Rory. I know I said I'd never ask you how you'd feel about me dating one of your neighbors again. (laughs) I think my prediction is that Dean is going to take her to prom. Lorelai? Yes. No, man. Zach would take Lorelai to prom.
0: Dean might, too. They've got a weird relationship.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that Dean is going to take Rory to prom. I think that's what's going to happen.
0: But Dean's with Lindsay now.
1: Yeah, well, Lindsay sucks at her music. I'm just telling you. That's what I think is going to happen.
0: But prom must be so soon. Yeah. You think he's going to break up with Lindsay?
1: I think he's going to take her as like a friend. Uh Uh-huh. Lindsay can't go for some reason, I bet, and he's going to take Rory as a friend to prom. Yeah. But then they're going to kiss. Kiss? Yeah, and that's how the end of the episode's going to be.
0: You told me they were going to have sex.
1: Dean and Rory? That's what you said. I said that. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going to have sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at prom?
1: I don't, I don't know if it's going to be at, but yeah, on the dance floor. We had the whole episode teaching Rory how to like move on the dance floor for a long time without getting tired.
0: And what about Jess? Is he still with Rory?
1: I don't know. Maybe. Obviously, he can't go to prom. They're going to have a big fight about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Your predictions are
1: logged. Log them.
0: Well, we'll find out next week, I guess. If you want to watch along, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 20. Say goodnight, Gracie.
1: Wait, does that mean that next week is prom week?
0: It doesn't say here.
1: It does say in Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 20, The Prom, which we'll also be watching next week.
0: I think that's a misdirect.
1: It's a misdirect?
0: Yeah. I don't think they're going to prom.
1: It's actually uh, Mrs. Direct. She's married. (laughs)
0: In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, have you had turndown service?
1: Have you had a grad night party, and if you did, was it on a boat?
0: Have you gotten drunk after one and a half glasses of foam?
1: How did his pommel get destroyed? <laughs> it's not pommel. I, what am I saying? How am I saying it differently? Hummel. I swear to God you said that p sound.
0: <laughs> no, I kept saying, Ugh, and you kept saying pee. I thought you were sick.
1: Why do you think Faith killed that box delivery man?
0: We could all do that spell that Willow did, right?
1: Right. Anybody could have. Don't you think it'd be a good idea if Angel turned Buffy and then gave her a soul?
0: That'd be nice.
1: It'd be cool. The show could go on forever. She'd never age.
0: But then if they broke up, then they're both just stuck that way. And then she's got to find someone new and turn them.
1: Also, why doesn't Willow just give every vampire a soul? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content.
0: If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing what you have to say, and it really helps us get discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans.
1: And if you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast.
0: For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacey. That's Brian with a Y, Stacey with an EY.
1: That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast for all that and more please be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel also called brian and stacy
0: and if you hate social media it's okay you can send us an email at brian and stacy reviews at (laughs) gmail.com men what do you have against men
1: just dugs i don't like dugs
0: um I'm, i'm fine with some dugs okay
1: I like little chow dogs. Are
0: you saying chow or child?
1: <laughs> I'm trying to make it into one sound.
0: I've never met a child duck.
1: I have, and a chow duck.
0: <laughs> you say chow duck?
1: Yes. No, I said chow duck.
0: We gotta go clean our ears.
1: Yeah. See you guys. Bye.